Y'all ready for the word this morning? Oh, we're starting a brand new series, everybody. I was concerned you wouldn't show up because I was afraid you think I thought you were a dummy. We're starting a brand new series called Wisdom for Dummies. How many remember those books they put out like that? You remember that? Wisdom for Dummies. But it's a new series in the book of Proverbs. How many know that Proverbs is a book of Proverbs, wisdom from the Lord, right? And we're starting a brand new, let me ask you this, how many have ever done anything dumb and you wish you had some wisdom on it? Thank you, I'm not alone this morning. I'm afraid I was gonna be the only one holding my hands. I was trying to reflect on this and I, I remember one time I did something really, really, really dumb. And in fact, um, there was a warrant out for my arrest. Or they were getting ready to make a warrant for my arrest. or what? It was a warrant? Oh, I got a letter in the mail. They were after me. That's right, your pastor, yours truly. I know some of you saying, well, I'm not coming back to this church. I'll never forget it. I just the craziest thing. I couldn't believe it. This was years ago when Brenda and I were traveling on the road with the kids, and I was going from church to church across the nation. I did that for 21 years. And, uh, you know, we're always flying into gas stations, and, you know, it was right when pay at the pump started coming out, and uh, that kind of dates me a little bit. <laughs> but I, I, so, you know, I'd go pump up, we fuel up, you know, kids are in there. And so I was pumping up this conversion van of mine. And that thing would hold about like back even in the day, about 80 bucks worth of gas, you know. And uh, I was filling up and, you know, I'm just ready to move on, get to where I'm supposed to be. And so Brenda goes into the convenience store to go to the restroom. And uh, as she comes in, I, I fit, fit, finish, you know, pumping and I go in the store and I come back out. And I thought she had paid when she went in to the gas station. She came back and she thought I went in to go pay and neither one of us paid. And I'll tell you, it was quite scary and it was a really dumb thing because let me tell you, the mug shots are beautiful. You, you ought to get one of them, I'll tell you, it's beautiful. You know, you can line up. How many of you know there's just some things that we as believers, we need the wisdom of God in? And so I want you to take, go with me through these next few weeks on wisdom from God. Because let me tell you, anybody who cries out for wisdom, the word says, God gives it to people who cry out for it. I probably cry out more for wisdom than almost anything in my life. From the day I started pastoring this church, I didn't have a clue really what to do. Y'all know this was the first church I ever pastored. This is it. I, it was it. I mean, it's the only church I ever pastored. I didn't know what to do. I, I, had, uh, I was on the evangelistic field. I'll never forget it. I usually preached Monday through Wednesdays. I preach five times in a row. <clears throat> we go home, change clothes, get on the road again, or on a plane. Brenda was my staff. That's it right there. She was the staff. And uh, I fired her three times. <laughs> I did fire her mother, though. <laughs> That's what gives you guts to be a pastor. Go fire your mother-in-law. That'll do it for you. I had about five good suits, uh, had about five good sermons, and y'all wanted me to be your pastor, and I said, well, we got about five good Sundays in a row. That's what we're going to have. <laughs> and here we are 
heading into 18 years and God's still helping us all the time, giving us wisdom, just giving us wisdom. You gotta cry out for it. I pray the same way I did the first day I walked there. It was just, I mean, I was just going, oh, this is too much for me, God. And I still pray the same prayer. I pray the prayer of Solomon. I don't know how to come in. I don't know how to go out. I feel like a kid, God. Give me wisdom on how to lead these great people of yours. I still look at that building and I still pray the same way. How many know God will give you wisdom for whatever's worrying you he will give you wisdom if you will seek him. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. So we're going to go on a, on a journey through the book of Proverbs and hit some themes out of the book of Proverbs. And uh, it's a new series. So there's like four authors that you find throughout the book of Proverbs. You have uh, King Solomon, who is the one who predominantly wrote through all of them. You have King Hezekiah's uh, men who uh, were advisors and scribes who probably also collected some of Solomon's writings that are part of it. Uh, Lemuel, some people, some scholars wonder if that was Solomon still himself, but you see a man named Lemuel that's writing these scriptures and, uh, and uh, through the Holy Spirit, and a man by the name uh, 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 Agur, you see Agur, you see him in the scripture also writing. We're going we're gonna to hit some of these things because through the power of the Holy Spirit, God is trying to give you something for you and me to help us. And when you look through the book of Proverbs, here's why I think it's really important. In fact, I want to encourage you to do this. What's the date today? The fourth? Okay, start with Proverbs 5 tomorrow. And then on the sixth, read Proverbs, uh, Proverbs uh, 6. On the seventh, read Proverbs 7. Just take a chapter a day. It won't take you long. Just take each day and read a proverb. I did that for many years. For a large part of my life, I, just, I would read one chapter every day for whatever day it was. Do that. Let's make that a little, how about we just do that as a little as a, as a little homework, okay? Just see what God does in your life doing that. It's really powerful because in the book of Proverbs, you find the word wise or wisdom 125 times, the word wise or wisdom. How many could use a little wisdom in some situations right now? So our purpose through the series, through the Holy Spirit, our purpose is to acquire and then apply God's wisdom. Are you ready for this? To apply God's wisdom to your decisions and your activities daily. Not just when all of a sudden you can't pay a bill or your kid's not behaving or your spouse is not responding or the culture goes awry that now you start running to God when you're in trouble. That's not what it's for. It's to acquire and apply God's wisdom to your everyday decisions and your activities of every day. And when you do, I'm going to promise you something. The outcome of God's favor and the lack of fear in your life begins to fade when you do it. And I'll get into that just a little bit more. So one of the things you see, so let's go to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. And uh, let's just read this out just out loud together for a moment. Well, well, let's hold on for a second. When you get to this wisdom thing just for a moment... The Holy Spirit through King Solomon begins to show you that if you really want the wisdom of God, there's something that you must have in there. Now, you all heard me. How many enjoyed the Peace of My Mind series we just finished? I, I just loved it. I just, it just blessed my spirit. And the last one we dealt with was uh, really on the spirit of fear. And fear is gripping our country. Uh, you, you know the statistics. I won't share them again. What Gallup Poll says, the emotional health of America right now. It's, 
I mean, it's, it's, it's frightening how it's just shot through the roof, the fear that we have. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And there's a reason for it. There is a reason for that shooting up. But I'll also tell you that how many know fear gets a bad rap sometimes too? Because sometimes fear is not a bad thing if it's in the right context and it's done in a healthy way. Come on, how many had little kids and you first thing you taught them was don't put your hand near that hot stove? How many ever taught your kid that? Okay, the rest of you all bad parents. Go ahead, kid, have at it. We love the smell of burning flesh. You know, come on, how many know that's a healthy thing to teach your kid, to fear that hot stove? Then as they got older, you told them, hey, listen, before you cross that street or you step out between those two cars, you stop and you look what? How many parents remember that? Okay, some of you, again, bad parents, both ways. Don't run out there. I don't care. You just stop. Don't make any difference if you hear cars or not. You stop, look both ways. And then they became teenagers. What happened when they became teenagers? What'd you do? Okay, first of all, uh, you don't text. You don't even look at your mobile phone. Right? Teenagers, listen, they didn't tell you. Don't you even look. You put that thing in the console. You put it away until you get to your destination. That is the weakest, sorriest amen I have ever heard in my life. I am not kidding you. Don't be messing with that phone while you're driving. Okay? There's a reason for that. Let me tell you the reason why. Let me tell you the reason why. Now you could say, man, he's just booked. No, because I want you to live. Okay? It's simple. Simple. I'm not trying to scare you. I just want you to live. So you teach your kids, don't speed, watch the traffic signals. You don't have a friend with you. You don't have a friend with you driving after you get your driver's license for so long period till you learn how to concentrate on that road. How many know those are healthy things to teach? Anybody. Adults, put your phone away. Okay. So, those are healthy fears. But I'm going to talk about a fear that's probably more vital than anything you could teach your child. In fact, you and I need to know it. The most vital fear you can have, in fact, the fear I'm going to talk about is what Solomon's dealing with, and it is the survival of this country, the United States of America. It is, it is, it is essential. If you want a strong marriage, you better have this kind of fear. If you don't have it, your marriage is toast. Take my word for it. It's toast. I'll tell you that this, this kind of fear is, this is the greatest problem in America, is the loss of this kind of fear. And the more money you get, and the more power you get, and the more position you have, the fewer people have this kind of fear. And I'm going to talk about this fear today. It's called the fear of the Lord. I don't think I've ever preached on the fear of the Lord in 17 years. But if you don't have it, the Bible calls someone like that a fool. My mama told me to call, never call him a fool, but she taught me how to recognize one when I see one. And it's the, lot, lack, the lack of the fear of the Lord. And I'm going to talk about this because a lot of people go, well, I'm in church. I got the fear of the Lord. I wouldn't be here. Oh, hold on. Because here's what, here is what Solomon said through the power of the Holy Spirit as he wrote this proverb. Ready? Proverbs 1, 7. It says, fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. 
but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Wow. I promise you we don't have a fool in this place because we love wisdom and we'll take the Lord's discipline. Amen? Well, in fact, let's, let's, let's read this out loud because some of you have this bad rap about the fear of the Lord. I'm telling you, it's really a good thing to have. In fact, let's, let's, let's just, how about we just read it out loud and you just vocalize this, okay? Because this is about you. Okay, ready? Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. This kind of fear, friends, that I'm talking about, is what'll hold a society together. It'll protect every nation from chaos. It'll stop the destruction of anarchy. It'll stop any moral destruction in a country if someone could grab a hold of the fear of the Lord. And I'll tell you, it doesn't take long. Our society has lost the fear of the Lord. I get concerned that even in the Church of America, many believers have lost the fear of the Lord. I like what one poet said, a Persian poet. He says, I fear God, and next to God, I chiefly fear him who fears him not. Do you know why I fear the one that fears him not? Because your dumb decision is not just going to affect you, but it'll affect your husband, it can affect your wife, it can affect your children for generations, it affects churches, it affects companies, it affects nations. Because what happens is, because of your bad mistake, I may have to deal with the aftermath of your poor decision. I'm preaching better than y'all letting on. I, I said, Lord, couldn't you give me a better message to make them laugh a little bit and make them feel a little better? It's going to make you feel better. It really is. Because the fear of the Lord is so important. Now, do you remember the statistics I gave you from Gallup Poll? This didn't come from the Southern Baptists, didn't come from the Assemblies of God or the Christian Reform. You remember the poll I gave you about Gallup Poll that in the last 10 years, people are in more fear and more worry than they can ever remember in the history of this country. It's shot, in the last 10 years, it is shot through the roof. And the concern I have are there are Christians that have gone right along with that. Right along with that, a fear. Fear, 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 fear. Now listen closely. It is no coincidence that as the fear of God has decreased in this nation and in individuals in our society, all the other fears have increased as the fear of God has decreased. I'm going to say this again because it's the way it works. Less fear of God, greater fear of what happens in the world. Greater fear of God, less fear of what's happening in the world and what might be happening to you. Mm. So when you have a healthy fear of the Lord in your life, that gives you the power to deal with every other fear you have right now. Are you fearing that you're not going to have enough money when you retire, are you fearing that one thing would dump everything on its head and you'll lose everything? Are you fearful that the person who's sitting beside you will walk away from you? Are you fearful that people might reject you? Are you fearful you're not going to get the job? Are you fearful you're going to die? Are you fearful you're not going to have enough money? Whatever fear is escalated in your life is directly related to your lack of fear of God in that area of your life. But the more you have the fear of the Lord, the less you have the fear of that thing that you're fighting right now. I'm afraid I'm going to be lonely. I'm afraid I'm going to be alone. What is your greatest fear? If you will put the fear of the Lord in that arena, you will lose the fear of that thing. This is why the fear of the Lord is good. Are y'all grabbing a hold of this? 
So when you say the fear of the Lord, people look at that Old Testament as the fear of God and he's going to strike you down. And it's going to... Let's talk about the effectual fear of the Lord. Let's talk about a positive fear of the Lord, the positive fear. Because some days you fear, oh no, fear. But there's a positive fear. It's the effectual. It's the healthy fear of the Lord. Now, some of us have a wrong image of God. I had a wrong image of God for the longest time that I served the Lord. Because, man, when I was raised in the crib, they preach hell hot, heaven cool. (laughs) I mean, I'm going to hell, turn or burn, buddy. I mean, I was in fear all the time that I was messing up before God. I'm telling you, I cannot tell. Listen, when I was a kid, I repented 4,569, no, wait a minute, 70 times. I tell you, I I was always repenting, repenting, repenting. I was so in fear of God, fear of God, fear of God, fear of God, God, that I was afraid. I got this God that was waiting behind the door, behind the bush, just watching Sam all the time. He said he's in secret service mode the whole time, and he's watching my every move, that this boy better stay holy, he better stay right. But then I discovered holiness is not my part, holiness is his part. Hungry is my part, he'll take care of holy. Whatever I hunger for, holy will happen. Quit trying to fix holy, just start fixing hungry. Did you hear what I just said? That was powerful. Brenda, write me a check for $1,000. That was powerful. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Quit trying to fix holy. Take care of hungry. You being here in the service is hunger. It's like showing up to the restaurant hungry. You will be filled. And I had this deal about God is just waiting, just ready to get me, boy. And then he's going to, I'm going to do one wrong thing. He goes, jump out from the bushes. And all of a sudden, he's going to look at Sam and fire is going to come from his mouth. Fire is going to shoot out his mouth. And all of a sudden, he's saying that he's going to, whoosh, he's going to vaporize me and just sizzle me right there. I had this whole wrong image. I don't want you to fear him like the bully you used to be afraid of when you were six years old. I don't want you to fear him like you fear that you're going to, you, 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 you change. Uh, you went to the hotel and said, you got to take me off this floor. Why would I take the floor? Well, it's, it's the 13th floor. I can't, sit on, can't sleep on the 13th floor. Uh, your C assignment on the airplane is 13. No, I'm not taking the 13. I'm not talking about that kind of fear we were fearing. Because here's the fear of God. I'm going to tell you that the fear of God that he's out to get you. God is not out. He's not out to get you to wait till you. So I'm telling you, he has more for you if you will just understand the fear of the Lord. So let me just give you the best description that I can give you of the fear of the Lord. You ready for this? Fear of the Lord. It's my, my reverent awe of God's holiness and love whereby I surrender every area of my life to him. When I recognize he is holy, And that no sin can enter the presence of a holy God, and he must judge that sin. I am aware of his holiness, but at the same time, I am aware of his unbelievable love that he would actually send his son, put skin on, and let sinful humanity crucify him, spit in his face, beat him till you could not recognize him, only for him to resurrect from the dead, and he shed his blood for one reason so that Sam Reifkogel could be covered in the righteousness of Jesus Christ when he gave his life to him, that God no longer looks at my sin because he's holy, but now all he can see is that Sam, as the scripture says, is the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ, not in Sam's work, 
Not in Sam's attendance at church, not in how much money he gives or how well he worships, but he is the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ that all God sees is not me. He just sees the righteousness and the holiness of Jesus Christ that paid the price. And when I see his holiness, watch this, when I see his holiness that sin cannot be tolerated, but then his great love to make a way of escape for me and all of humanity who receive them, I am struck by the awe of who he is that the only thing I can do is say, if that's the kind of love you are, if that's the kind of holiness you are, then I've got to surrender every area of my life to that kind of holiness and to that kind of love. How many of you with me? So that fear is my awe. When I, uh, see, the longer I serve him, the longer I've been with him, I used to be so afraid of him when I was a kid. I, I, was going, I thought I was going to hell in a handbag. Don't do this. Don't do this. You walk by the... <laughs> You walk by the magazine rack at the grocery store and you saw something, oh, I'm going to hell. <laughs> now I'm smitten by this awe and this wonder of nobody does that. So holy, my sin can't make it, but so loving that he made a way that when Sam gets in Jesus in that relationship, all he can see is Jesus. He didn't even see Sam. That I got to sit back with this awe, this respect, and this wonder of who he is. That I got to surrender every arena of my life. And here's what it is. When you start getting smitten by that, here's what I've come to the conclusion. I don't want to offend somebody that thinks of me that highly. I just don't want to offend him. You hand me a million bucks today? I'm not going to look and say, uh, couldn't you know a little more? I'm not going to offend you. When he's given me that such great a gift, I'm sorry. But I just can't offend him when I see the magnitude of that awe, that wonder. How many follow what I'm saying here? So now what's happening, the longer I've served him and I get the fear of the Lord, that awe, that respect, that overwhelming holiness, and yet that almost love, now all of a sudden, I'm aware of his presence is not just here on Sunday morning when I'm singing with y'all. I discovered he's present with me when I'm swimming in my pool. I'm, he's with me when I am watering those shrubs. He is with me when I have to pick up after Moses. He is with me all the time. And now since I know he's aware with me all the time that he doesn't want to leave Sam, then I get aware that now every thought Sam has, every action that I do, every deed that I do, I know that he is so with me that all of those things he is aware of in his presence. And I know that he will judge those things. I know he will judge them. And if you and I would live with that constant presence of the Lord that he is aware of everything, then I need to apply everything to his wisdom because of his great holiness and his great love for me. How's that going, everybody? You know, because he is anyway, I just wish we would live that way. How about this? How about you start living your life as everybody knew your thought, what you're thinking right now, or what you thought last night, or what you did last night, and that it's on the big LED screen for everybody to see today? How about we just take your thought and pop it up there? 
don't you think you'd probably live just a little bit different? How about we put your bank statement up there and see just how much you really love God and the work of God by what you did with the wealth of God? I didn't hear an amen or nothing. Let's... Of course, I don't fear people, so I'll just go ahead and say it. How about we do that? You know, the point is here is that some of you actually live that way. You won't confront serious issues with other people because you're afraid of their rejection and you fear them. So you're actually fearing people more than you fear God who tells you what you really ought to do. You have more fear for man than you do for the fear of the Lord. Some of you are going, how long has he said he'd been here now at this church? <laughs> what if we live that way? In fact, here's what happens. You've got to get that healthy fear of the Lord. And even Jesus said you need to get that healthy fear of the Lord. And you remember what Jesus said? He says, too many of you are fearing the wrong things. You, are, you should fear the Lord and you'll lose this fear of all these other things, but you're really losing. And he says, you better find out what's really important to fear instead of fearing things. That's why Jesus, not, not Sam Wright, this is what Jesus said in Matthew 10, 28. Look what he says. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. There may be a time, friends, that you might have to stand up for the very loss of your physical life. Could happen. Because there are countless believers that do around the world. He says, but don't you be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God. Can you say those three words? Fear only God. Say it again, businessman. Fear only God. Say it again, young person. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Nobody else can do that. Mm. So here's the deal why you want that effectual, that holy, healthy fear of the Lord. If you live in the healthy awe and wonder and that respect of the Lord, watch this, you will no longer be enslaved by any other fear. I'm going to say it again. It's not on the screens, but I'm telling you this. This is the truth. When you live in that healthy awe and respect of the fear of the Lord, you will stop being enslaved by that person who is holding you in fear because you're afraid to say what needs to be said. You won't be afraid of your boyfriend walking out of you because he wants you to have sex before marriage and you say, you can walk out that door. You won't fear not having somebody. You won't fear being alone. You won't fear your money anymore. You will not fear your future. So whatever it is, I want you to be honest with it, young man. Sir, I want you to be honest with it. What is the fear that I'm truly struggling with? And if you'll start bringing the fear of the Lord into it and say, God, I have such a respect and an awe for your holiness and your love that I want to surrender this to you. Would you help me to bring your fear into this? And you'll lose that fear of that. Wow, isn't that the truth, everybody? Okay, so what are you saying, Pastor Sam? Listen, you won't be enslaved anymore. 
You won't be enslaved. Some of you have said, I, I don't know if I'm going to make a decision. I don't, I don't know if this is the right decision or the wrong decision. I don't know if this is the right decision or the wrong decision. I don't know if I should invest in this company or this company. I don't know what I should do. I don't know if I should do this with this family member. I don't know if I should confront this issue. I don't know if I should talk. I don't know if I should say this to the boss or not say, and we're living in this fear. You won't be afraid to make a wrong decision. Do you know why? Here's what Psalm 25, 12 says. Who are those who fear the Lord? He will show them the path they should take. If I'm surrendering that issue to God and saying, Holy Spirit, by your word, show me the right thing to do, I promise you, you will not make the wrong decision because of the fear of the Lord. You won't fear your enemies. You won't even fear Satan. You won't fear Satan. You won't fear your enemy. Why? Psalm 34 verse 7 says, The angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. See, when you start fearing the Lord, then you don't start having nightmares and start subjecting yourself to stuff, even in movies, that show you that this demonic spirit is bigger than God. It is not God and the devil, okay? Let me tell you, it is not God and the devil, evil and good. Let me tell you, it's not God and the devil. It's just God, period. That's all it is. It's the only one that wins. I'm serious. I would not subject myself to the spirit of fear or anything demonic on a movie. I'm just telling you, I will not do it because the angels of the Lord around me and those that fear him know it's just God and Satan's already lost the battle done, period. It's over. You won't fear enemies. You won't fear enemies. How many want victory over sin and temptation? You won't fear sin or temptation when temptation comes to you. Remember, temptation is not sin. No, it's not sin. It is not sin. But you won't fear sin. Oh, I'm afraid God didn't forgive me. I'm afraid I'm not forgive me. I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to overcome this addiction. I'm afraid. No, 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 no. When you stay in the fear of the Lord, let me tell you what Proverbs 16, 6 says. Unfailing love and faithfulness make atonement for sin. His unfailing love for me, the awe of his love, his faithfulness to Sam Reifel, never leave him or forsake him, lets me know that all my sin has been atoned for, and it will never be held against Sam Reifel ever again, or you ever again. You name any sin you did, when you give it to Jesus, he's faithful and he's loving, and he will cover that sin. And then look what he says. Oh, by fearing the Lord, people avoid evil. So the closer I walk with him, the more I don't want to offend him, and he makes me aware of the very thing that maybe pull me away from our relationship and the fear of the Lord. How many have seen this? This is the healthy fear of the Lord. How many want a better quality of life? Okay. All 15 of you, the rest of you just like it, just let it just going downhill from here, Pastor Sam. No, no, no. I want you to have the best quality of life. I want you to have it. Do you know how you get that best quality of life? Proverbs 22, 4. The reward of humility, humility, and the fear of the Lord are, ready? Riches, honor, and life. Do you see the reason why Satan doesn't want me to fear God in a certain area? Because he wants to take the riches of God away from me. He wants to remove the honor from me as a father, as a dad, as a pastor. And he wants me not to have a life that is living to its fullest. Come on, friends. Those that have a humble heart and they fear the Lord. He says, I'm going to give riches, honor, and the best life God could ever give you on this side of the planet. Come on, friends. How many you thank God for the fear of the Lord? So I'm going to say it again. I want you to zero. My brother, my sister, listen closely. What are you fearing right now? It is directly related to not bringing the fear of the Lord into that area. Because when you do what God says, you will start losing the fear of that thing that is trying to torment you. Whoo, that's good stuff. So what do you want, Pastor? 
I want to experience the fear of the Lord. So how do I experience this fear of the Lord? Again, come on, Proverbs 1-7. Let's read it out loud together, everybody. Come on, let's just get that word inside of us. Let's do it again. Ready? Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. So here's what we're going to do. Let me just stop. Put the brakes on for a moment. Okay. So today, we're going to make another screensaver for your phones like we did Peace of My Mind. And this is the scripture you're going to memorize. Along. All of us are going to memorize together. That the fear of the Lord is the foundation for true knowledge. We're going to put that, we're going to put that and we're going to make it a screensaver. Okay, let's memorize it. How about you say that, all right? So, here's the deal. You cannot have a relationship with God unless you know God. And you cannot know God until you fear the Lord. If you don't have the fear of the Lord, you can never know him. And if you don't know him, you can never have a relationship with him. Because look, how many know the love of God, the grace of God, and the mercy of God are critical to salvation? Critical. Critical. Every, and we always use those words. We always say, you want to be saved? You got to know that God loves you. He gives you grace. He gives you mercy. And you can't earn it. He gives you salvation. That's the awe of his love. But equally as important as love, grace, and mercy is you must know the fear of the Lord or you can never receive those things. I like something A.W. Tozer said. He said, no one can know the true grace of God who has not first known the fear of God. Psalm 85, 9 says, surely his salvation, you want salvation? His salvation is near to those who fear him. So what the psalmist is saying is, the true knowledge of God produces this deep reverence, this deep awe, this deep honor of God, whereby you say, I'm so close to him, I do not want to offend him. So the fear of the Lord really is this. He is first in every decision, area, thought, and action of my life. And I want to get closer and closer to him and know the fear of the Lord. Because with it <laughs> comes riches, honor, and life. God blesses you, gives you a life to the full. So here's my question. What is hindering people from fearing God? So if America is in its highest point of fear, and I don't know what your fear might be, what is hindering, what is hindering a person from having the fear of the Lord in that, in that area? Can I give you the biggest obstacle? I won't give it to you. How about I let King David through the Holy Spirit give it to you because he nailed it. You ready for this? 30, Psalm 36, 1. He says, there is no fear of God before their eyes. In their own eyes, they flatter themselves too much to detect or hate their sin. Just leave that up there for a moment. The reason they don't see what they're doing is they are flattering and thinking way too much of themselves over God. So when you don't fear God, two things are in the wrong place. You ready for this? If you don't have fear of the Lord in an area, two things are in the wrong place. You ready for who they, what it is? First of all, you're in the wrong place. And secondly, God is in the wrong place. That's the problem. Even in this country, the problem is, <laughs> is America has made itself in its own place over God being in its place. You can stamp on a coin. You can cry as you make the Pledge of Allegiance and sing the Star Spangled Banner. But I'm going to tell you, the bottom line is this country fears 
man more than they fear God, and they put themselves in the place over God, and that's our problem. And it's not going to get any better until God is first. That's the bottom line. And that's not just for the United States of America. That's just not for this country. That's for Sam Reifkogel. The biggest challenge that Satan will do is, Sam, you got to be served first. And God is not served first. So what is the fear of the Lord? God's first in everything that I do. He's in the relationship. He's number one in this relationship. He is priority over Brenda Reifkogel. He's priority over this church. I'm coming in for a landing. It gets better. So here's the deal. Some of you may be here today and you are in the wrong place or the issue as a Christian that you're fearing is in the wrong place right now. It's in the wrong place. I mean, Satan can immobilize you in this because it's, it's, about, it's about you. So someone here might be in the wrong place, but you're ready to put God in the right place and to put you in the right place so that honor, <laughs> riches, the quality of life God wants you to have can start operating your life. But some of you are in the right place. You started off and had things in the right place, but now you got something in the wrong place and the fear has escalated in that area. And it's so easy, everybody. And this is the reason why I say to myself, before I point to the United States of America, I got to point to this guy right here and say, you cannot put yourself in the first place. It's going to fall apart when either you're in the wrong place or God's in the wrong place. Put him in the right place. You say, well, how can that happen? I speak in tongues. I don't care. Well, I raised somebody from the dead last week. I could care less. Did you see, did you see my offering? No, frankly, I haven't seen it. I don't look at your offerings. Well, do, 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 do you know how long I've been in this church? I appreciate it. But I'm telling you, you can put God in the wrong place just like that. And let me tell you why. The guy who God used to write these Proverbs to us, King Solomon, at that time was considered the wisest man who ever lived. In fact, he was, one, he was the richest man on the planet Earth at that time. The most powerful man on the planet Earth in his time, in the world. And I mean, God blessed everything he had. I mean, think about it. He was King David's heir to the throne. In fact, he got to do something that David couldn't do, and that was to build a temple that would house the presence of God. You remember that? You remember that? Then God, through the Holy Spirit and wisdom that he gave him, gave him the ability to write the Proverbs, most of them that we're reading and we're going to study. Talk about a wise guy. You're going, man, I'm going to do what this guy says. He wrote thousands of Proverbs. In fact, kings and queens from around the nation would come to sit at his feet to see the splendor of what all he had and what he'd accomplished and just to hear his wisdom. The queen of Sheba, I mean, comes there and she said, the half has not been told to me. He said, the half, how God must have blessed these people to give them a leader like you. And he started in the right place, just like I have started in the right place and want to stay in that place. It's when we get out of the place we're supposed to be in and he started in the right place. You remember how he prayed? Look at this humble prayer. First Kings 3, 9. Therefore, He's getting ready to leave. Therefore, give, give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I might discern between what, everybody? Be between what? Good. Give me that heart, God. Give me that heart. But there was one area of your, his life that he would not have the fear of the Lord in. And I know the first one, y'all, y'all think it's all sex because he did love pagan women who did not serve God. 
Here's what it says. <laughs> First Kings 11. Now King Solomon loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter. They didn't have a heart for God. They didn't want to serve God. And God strictly told them, it is forbidden for you to marry someone who does not have this heart to follow me because they're following pagan gods. And it was just one heart, but it wasn't sex. It wasn't because she was just hot looking or because, she, no, you know what the problem was here? Let me show you what the problem was. The reason why he married so many, and he ended up having, guess what? He's got one woman that he's married. God said, don't do this. And you know what he ends up doing? He ends up having 700 wives, foreign women who are serving somebody else beside Jehovah God. And he's got 300 concubines. I'm going, you are a crazy man. You can't handle one. So you're going to add another 999 and you can't take care of one? What makes you think you can handle 999 more women when you can't take care of one? Take care of your husband. You can't handle others. Take care of your own wife. You can't handle others. Just stick with them. Selah. I don't know why I'm over here in this section, because I need to move to this section over here. <laughs> one husband, one wife, okay? Let me tell you why he did it. It's because he stopped trusting God. Let me show you how he stopped trusting God. He starts looking at Egypt, and he wants to protect his nation. So in order to build an alliance, he uses Egypt that has a lot of money, a lot of wealth, and he's trying to solidify his own power and his, the nation of Israel. And he goes to Egypt and he actually marries her. She might've been beautiful, but he actually marries her because he needs, the, he, needs to have, he needs to have all of these nations with him. And so he takes the wife of someone who is a pagan worshiper, the ones that persecuted the people of God. And he makes an alliance with them because he needs more weaponry. What does he purchase from them? the horses and the chariots. Do you remember what chased the people of God to kill him when they left Egypt? Pharaoh in his horses and chariots, and now he's purchasing them. Because he wanted to amass his own kingdom, so we gotta protect ourselves, so let me figure this out. I don't need the fear of God. I don't need to hear what he said. I need to do what I need to do to fix this business, to fix this marriage, to fix this home. I know how to fix a country and a company. I know how to do it. Let me do it, God. I don't need your input. And he never got what his father got, David, who even messed up but was a man after his God's own heart. He started that way and then ended that way. And he didn't stay that way, turning away from God. He would say, listen to me, Solomon. He would write, some may trust in horses and some may trust in chariots, but we will trust in the name of the Lord. And what does he do? He's building an alliance with Egypt because what he wants is to solidify his power and his position. That's why he's doing it. I'm gonna take care of this company my way. I'm gonna run my life my way. And he didn't bring the fear of the Lord into that arena. And you know what happened? Look at 1 Kings 11 verse four. I would hate to end this way. In Solomon's old age, they turned his heart to worship other gods instead of being completely faithful to the Lord his God. And now here is Solomon who had this heart for God, used by God. So I don't care if you speak in tongues or raise the dead. I don't care how much knowledge you have. The pursuit of Jesus Christ, his holiness and his incredible love 
must make me surrender every issue of my life because his, he has his good for me and not his, not his evil for me. This guy starts worshiping Ashtoreth. He starts worshiping Molech. Do you remember what Molech's requirement was to worship? Do you remember what that was? Do y'all remember what that was? It was to take your own kid and burn him alive to Molech. And here we have a nation that we are literally discarding babies by the millions and not thinking a thing about it. And whenever I say this, I want you to know, ladies, thank God for the fear of the Lord that you had, that you came and said, Jesus, you're the one that heals me and you can restore me from this decision that I made that has traumatized me and now I can walk in freedom and knowing that God can use me again and greater glory to help other ladies. Thank God for that. That is the reason why so many of you ladies who have gone through that are fearing the Lord and walking with God because you see his incredible love in the midst of his incredible holiness. You see his incredible love for you. That's what makes you run to him. I can't believe he wants Sam. You haven't told your whole testimony. Don't act too holy. You haven't told it all. And when you start seeing his holiness, whoo, my goodness. So here is four decades later. Come on, let me bring this around. Here's Solomon four decades later after burning up his life with bad decisions and thousand women that have turned his heart away. He finally comes to this end of his life at Ecclesiastes 12, 13. Would you listen to this? He says, here now is my final conclusion. Final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands for this is everyone's duty. Young people, you don't have to wait till you're 68. You don't have to wait till you're 88 to finally make that conclusion. You can make that at eight years old. You can make it at 18 years of age and watch God's favor just continue to rest on your life. How many of you want, how many you want the fear of the Lord? How many you want the fear? I want the fear of the Lord. I want the fear of the Lord in my life. I do. It's always blessed me. I want the fear of the Lord. So how do I get the fear of the Lord? I'm going to give you a scripture. It just blew my mind. You want the fear of the Lord? Let me show you how to get it. Let me just show you. Psalm 130, verse 4. This just jumped out to me. But you offer forgiveness. Why? That we might learn to fear you. When you allow him to forgive you because you know your holiness will never enter the kingdom of God and he has the power to destroy both body and soul. And yet, in his holiness, he would pay the price so that I could enter the presence of God and boldly approach the throne of God because his grace and his mercy. When he gave me that forgiveness, then I start understanding the fear of the Lord because he wiped it out so that I could have entrance. How many are thankful for the fear of the Lord that is in our lives? Guess what? That means you and I are on our way to walking as wise people with true knowledge because our foundation is the fear of the Lord.